PGA Nation. We are back. We are back with the CGA Cup. We are full swing ahead this year. The big dogs are coming out to play this week. We're getting the big names. We're getting a challenging course. Uh, this week should be fun for, for DFS purposes and for golf. Uh, see, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. I, I say this every week, or at least I have during since the swing season started. I'm so mad at DraftKings. Like, can you just give us? You know, I'm just, I'm trying to look at the camera. Like, maybe we'll cut this up and we'll we'll tag DraftKings. Can you please give us more contests, please? Just like a few more. They don't have to be like high dollar. They don't have to be low dollar. Like something in the middle, like a a couple more fifteen dollar, you know, three max or twenty dollar three max, or maybe like a, I don't know a seventy five dollar single entry, something like that. I just it, this isn't good. You know, we're, we're doing this show and it's like people don't have a lot of contests, a lot of GPPs to enter into. And I just, I don't get it. I understand the NFL is king, but like, just throw us a couple more bones here. We're not asking for much. These tournaments will fill up. There's a, there's enough of a market. If you put in two extra tournaments that have, I don't know, that are a thousand people entries deep, like they are going to fill up. So let's go, man. Like, come on. Yeah, DraftKings treats golf like a JV sport, right? Like, it's like the secondary yeah. sport. And, you know, it used to be. But I think that corner, there's a corner that's turned. It's in the last, like, right. two or three years. Like, when COVID hit and, like, golf was the only sport on, people really got behind it. And I don't think it is anymore. Golf's its own thing. There's a lot of people who are diehard golf fans. And like you said, Sam, these tournaments will fill. If, if You know, I go by the old saying, if you build it, they will come. So, give us the, give us the contest. The players want it. Spence, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, you guys. Good to have you back on this show, Sia. We've missed you the last couple weeks that you haven't been here. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is a great tournament. You have all the best players here. And like Sia said, unfortunately, we just don't have the greatest contest selection. So uh, we'll make the most of it. Hopefully, moving forward, we see some changes with that. But uh, it's unfortunate. As you kind of just mentioned, Joel, there's a shift in the industry like Golf is never going to be bigger than football, and I understand that, but golf is its own entity, and I think there's a lot of people that are diehards, and I think there's a lot of people that uh, that play football that would also like to play golf, so it's unfortunate that the contest selection isn't a little bit better. I totally agree, um, but you know what? There's still enough contests out there. You know, there's some big GPPs. There's some big fish to go after. There's still cash games. We're still going to have a lot of fun this week. We're heading down to South Carolina, and you know what, Spence? You got your work cut out for you this week because this is a unique course, and there is definitely um, some knowledge you're going to want to know to be able to get an edge this week because, in my opinion, there's a specific golfer profile that I'm targeting uh, that I think should find some success this week. So, Spence, please enlighten us. How does that look this week? Yeah, so it's Congaree Golf Club, 7,655 yards, par 71. The greens are Bermuda. We saw Congaree fill in as a replacement venue during the 2021 season at the Palmetto Championship. Uh, the course played as one of the toughest on tour all season, producing a scoring total just under par at negative 0.26 shots. And a lot of that had to do with the wasteland areas off the tee that created difficult lives for those that either went wayward or came up short with their first shot. Uh, you know, think of forced carries that go over sand traps that aren't always given, you know, a easy, clear lie once you get into it. So um, that's one thing to look at. 
Greens are on the larger side of things, and while that sometimes can diminish approach playing around the green metrics, I believe Congaree might turn into a bomb and short game contest because of the firm and fast putting surfaces that are protected by undulation and bunkers located both above and below the greens. Those two factors will enhance sand safe percentage and short game metrics, and the ability to putt from off the surface will make three-putt avoidance another tangible way to attack scrambling. Uh, putting is, you know maybe not the most important here proximity from 200 plus yards is going to be my preferred way to put in approach game metrics since 27.9 percent of shots occurred from that distance in 2020 and then ball striking isn't a horrible look either since it will be vital for golfers to attack pins from the correct angle uh overall i'm gonna say you know players that can gain an edge over the field with their length and short game will be rewarded Although I wouldn't get carried away with distance when running a model because there are a lot of routes possible for anyone that is neutral with their length. I don't want a golfer. Let me rephrase that. I don't want to say I don't want a golfer. I would be hesitant. If I am paying up in salary, I don't want a golfer that's short off the tee. Uh, If it's somebody that's further down the board, I might be more willing to take a shot. But um, that's just something to keep in mind. You're on mute, Joel. I was giving a whole soliloquy on mute. So, uh, but then you have to you know, play that back. Um, feel free to rewind that. You, know, you definitely want to use that kind of information to find an edge, to be able to pick your golfers um, that are going to have a bit of a, of a unique edge on this course. I, I want. I have to laugh because this tournament. My, I, I've said this on a show before years ago. My son's initials are CJ, and we've mentioned that on the show before. In three years of doing this show. He's never come in the room while we were recording. And, of course, tonight he pops in being a complete menace, screaming. I'm like, he knows it's the CJ Cup. It was his time to come on the show and make his statement. So that's where I went. I had to run out to get him out of the room. So uh, he didn't disturb us. But uh, the drafted is tonight. And we have our trusted old friend joining just to pop in. David is here. We're going to bring him on just to say hi. David, how are you doing tonight? I'm very well. How are you boys? How are we doing? What's um, up, David? What's up? No, it's, it's good to uh, good to see you and good to be here. I didn't know if I was originally going to be able to to make this time, given that in New Zealand it's um, one o'clock in the afternoon, which is sort of smack bang in the middle of the uh, of the workday. However, I've got what I needed to get done done, and uh, I'm now on lunch break and here to chat golf and great great tips and. You know, I see your beautiful faces again. So um, no, it's great, great to be here. So here's my idea, because we have David in here for, for the long haul, it appears. So why don't I designate myself as C audience and David gets his own team? So if we could change the sheet that we're about to put up, put David in that third spot that he was in last week. I'll assume what I believe to be the fourth spot, which is with the audience. And uh, I can just work with them. How about we do that? That sounds like a plan. Um, right on cue, I'm going to pull up the sheet and share it now. We're going to dive into the draft. Uh, the audience for tonight, Sia and the audience, are going to go first. Because, Sia, you so graciously gave your spot up and going to join the audience. The least we could do is return the favor and allow you oh, wow. and the audience to go first. Uh, Spencer, you're going to go second, David third, and I will go fourth again. Before we dive into the draft tonight, though, I don't think we recapped last week's draft, did we? No. No. You know who won? I have no – see, I'm right now under the mentality, like, this is off season. When we continue this next year, 
I'm going to try to defend my title. We'll get back to keeping the point total. But right now, it's a lot of fun that we're having. I don't know who won. I couldn't even tell you. Like, I know my lineup was subpar. I had Ricky Fowler, which was a good pick. And um, I'm going to assume that wasn't enough to carry me through. But I'm not 100% sure. I think for the purpose of the show and for speed, let's just assume I won. That seems safe. Uh, then we'll just move on to this show. <laughs> so, uh, see, audience, you guys are on the clock. Audience, feel free to start getting your nominations in. We got to get your first pick. We already got one. Ivan, how you doing tonight? JT is a good nomination, uh, but we got to get on. one more. One second. second. There it is. JT, JT. Sia is deserting you guys, um, but that's okay. You guys got your first pick in, so it's no worries. Justin Thomas is the first pick of the draft. That's a pretty. Uh, it's hard to think you can go wrong with Justin Thomas, right? Uh, the level of consistency, always a top tier guy. You know, you're not quite paying the top price. You're still 10k, you got to pay up, but um, not many bad things to say about JT. You can go, David. I'll give a quick response after that. I would just say I, I like JT from a leverage point of view. Just I think that he's going to be one of the lower owned options in that 10K range. Um, I think between him and Scheffler, they're going to be pushing the lower ownership. I mean, bear in mind, right, this is a reduced field. Again, no cut event. So um, you are going to expect a little bit higher ownership than perhaps you see week to week. So do take that into account when the, you're, you're looking at your projection numbers. Don't freak out if you see, say, 15 16%. Um, upwards for a lot of these guys because um, being a reduced field, that is just what's going to happen. Um, I, I don't know if JT's my favourite play of the week. I think that I, I still hold the fact I don't think that he's at his absolute peak and the absolute kind of elite levels that we've been expecting from him previously. Where I do like him is that I I do think that less people will be playing him than the McElroys and the Rams of the world. So there's potentially some leverage there to be gained. Yeah, here's the thing with Justin Thomas. So when I ran my model from a statistical perspective, he was about as well as anybody's graded in a really long time. So I had seven categories. Uh, six of them he graded inside the top two. I think four of them he was number one. And when I took weighted T to green, he was so decisively far and away number one. It was kind of alarming to me. The only negative thing that I have to say about him, and I'm going to play him. He's in my player pool. Um, I have no problem with the pick. A lot of the sharp money is against him this week in every single matchup. He's a massive underdog. And the public does seem to be pushing that way towards him. I'm building my model in a sense to where, like, I'm not going to necessarily look at that information and live and die by it. But it does worry me ever so slightly that it's like the sharp versus squares, the pros versus Joe situation coming into play here to where the pros seem to hate Thomas and the Joe seem to love him. And I'm fine with that. My model loves him. And for that reason, like there are two players at the top that I'm more inclined to play than anybody else. Uh, Thomas is one of them, but I mean, there is some hesitation, I guess, from like a GPP perspective. If this wasn't a no cut tournament, I might have hopped out but with this being a no cut knowing that he's going to get four days and kind of with what david's saying it's only 16 17 that we're seeing uh he is in my player pool this week and he is one of the guys that i'm going to be building around there you have it i love it i love it spencer you're on the clock so i guess i mean 
the problem that we run into right now is that if there's only two guys for me that I'm trying to get exposure to at the top and one of them's already off the board and I, and I like all four, I don't want to make it sound like I would be fine with any of them if it came down to it, but I Rory is going to be very popular, probably rightfully so. I don't have an issue with anybody that wants to use him and build differently going down, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go with John Rom at 10,900 I maybe got talked into this a little bit by Sticks Picks uh, yesterday. You know, my model has them like if we're just looking from an overall rank sense, uh, Rory would be number one, and that's including form into the mix to it. Uh, and that's where Justin Thomas is getting hurt with it. So Thomas would be two, uh, Rom would be third, and Scheffler would be fourth. But I'm going to trust that, like, when every single time that you see a venue where if you think a US Open and you think these total driving tests, like, that's a John Rom setup, and we know that the game seems to be coming around right now from what we've seen from him recently in some of these other tournaments that he's playing uh, in fields that are nowhere near this level. But when Rom gets hot, he seems to get hot at, a, at a, a rate that's a little bit higher than a lot of these players. I would say the same thing about Thomas and Rory with that. So um, the one difference with Rory and Rom that was kind of the decider is if you were to tell me that this tournament has a 12-under par winner – that sounds more like a John Rom win to me than it would a Rory McIlroy win. Um, now, Rory, all his wins have come in double digits, but if you get to this like eight under, nine under, he's never had a single digit win. That's the only concern there with it. So uh, I'm going to take Rom. I probably would have rather had Thomas if you made me pick between the two, but uh, either one of those two were fine for me. I like that pick. I mean, Rom's one of my favorite guys at the top. I mean, obviously, all the guys at the top are, are awesome. Um, I, I'd like to get actually all of you to rank the top four because I have I have Rory and then I have Rom and then I guess JT and then who am I missing? Um, Scheffler. Scheffler, yeah. So, I mean, I, I just, I'm just curious because I'm going to do – well, I shouldn't kind of tip – well, I'm, I'm with the audience. But I do like the Stars and Scrubs approach with maybe maybe two of these guys up top. Um, so real quick, can we just rank them? Joel, I'll start with you. Just rank the top four. You know, for me, from a tournament perspective, my actually number one is going to be Scheffler, uh, just because okay. he's the lowest owned. And mm -hmm. um, to me, I think they're all pretty close. I think it's just, you know, inches. So I'll take the the, the value play. And he's also the, the third best price. So for me, I'll go Scheffler. Uh, I'll probably go Scheffler, Rory, Thomas, Rom. Dave? And... Um, for me, it's Rory by quite some distance. Then I'm actually going to put Scheffler in there for second. Uh, the reason being, as I understand, he's he's trying a new putter this week. Mm -hmm. We can often see that a, a simple change of equipment can can make a big difference pretty quickly. Um, other than that, his approach game has been excellent and his driving off the tee, we know how elite that is. So that would be um, my second pick narrowly against um, John Rahm and then JT would be fourth for me. Gotcha. Okay. Um, David, why don't you go ahead and pick since we're on you anyway? Oh, Spencer, I didn't get you. I'm sorry. What, what, who are your top four? I, I mean, I, I would say like 35-ish percent of the win equity probably, probably comes from these four. So you can't yeah. really go wrong. I'll go Thomas, Rom, Rory, and Scheffler, but it is very close. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. All right, David, your pick. 
And and off the back of that, I'm absolutely thrilled that somehow I've lucked into taking Rory McIlroy with yeah. my third pick and you guys have led him fall this far. I mean, we, we do see some parallels here with um, Quail Hollow, I think, in terms of the course design and layout. We all know what Rory McIlroy can do around that golf course. The other one that I would liken it to, actually, I'll give, I'll give you two other comps, course comps. One one is nobody's going to be discussing, and the other one I haven't seen either. One would be TPC San Antonio. The reason being is that you have got these wider fairways, but after that you've got that waste kind of desert area. Nobody's talking about TPC San Antonio as a comp course this week, and I do think that's a possible option to have a look at. Um, Rory's got a, a third there um, previously, so he has played well around that course. The other one would be Emirates Golf Club in um, Dubai the Dubai Desert Classic on the European DP World Tour. Um, so that was my my home course back in the day, so I'm, I'm fairly well familiar with it. Um, again, you're going to see a lot of these waste waste um, areas. Your approach game is going to be tested. Distance off the tee is imperative. Um, it always attracts a highly elite competitive field, as we see this week. The The other thing I'd say is that you also get these kind of runoff areas. You, you do get thicker rough than we're going to see this week at Emirates Golf Club. However, around sort of the front and the sides of the greens, you do often get kind of a lot of these like tight lies, firm, fast, sandy. I mean, that ticks all the boxes of what we're seeing this week. Um, and obviously being in the desert and, and absolutely no one's going to be looking at that correlating form. Um, Rory's record around the Emirates Golf Club is absolutely immaculate. Um, so he's had third, second, sixth win, ninth, fifth, tenth, sixth. So, I mean, never finished outside the, the top ten around that track. Um, so I think this is a course that's really going to suit his eye. It's going to suit... Um, Strong, strong drivers, and particularly for um, Rory, I'm always looking for those um, spots where he's, he's spoken quite openly in the media about loving these um, these tight, difficult lies and, and testing your chipping game. For Rory, that is his biggest strength. So um, I absolutely adore him in the spot, and I think he's an extremely high chance to win this tournament. Yeah, that's all great, but did you say your home course was in Dubai? Yeah, so I, I grew up in Dubai. That's where I, I started. So I spent eight years living in Dubai. Um, Who is this which, international man of mystery? It just gets it. better and with you, David. This is exactly. crazy. Carry on. I didn't mean to um, interrupt. I did mean to interrupt, but carry on. Yeah, so fully fully taking the, the tour international. I um, I actually, I worked at a couple of the, the golf tournaments in Dubai, and then and then that was my golf course. So that's where I sort of grew into the game and started developing. And um, funnily enough, when I was I was at the Shriners with, with Spence, we bumped into... Justin Parsons, who's now um, a golf coach for for several of the PGA Tour players, um, but he was actually my golf coach back in the day in Dubai, wow. where he was sort of developing. So I got to work with him for a bit as well. So, um, yeah, just the the more you know. David knew everybody out there. Well, I was going to say, <laughs> any, anyone got a broom to sweep up all these names? David keeps dropping. Yeah, yeah. I'm just jealous. Obviously, that that is this is great. We need to do like every show. We need to do like a two minute segment. Like we'll just call it something clever, like David's corner or DB's corner, where he just tells us something about his life. That's awesome because it's just I, super interesting. I'm just saying. I, I, I'll, care, I'll I'll give you one more quick story just because it, it ties in nicely with the Rory pick. So one of the tournaments I was working was actually Rory McIlroy's second ever professional tournament. He was still an amateur. Him and I were both the same age and 16 years old. And I ended up getting um, the opportunity to score his group and walk around with him when he was 16-year-old, this curly-haired amateur that absolutely nobody knew in the world. Um, we got to the third hole in Dubai, and um, it's this par five down downwind. 
um, and he absolutely lets rip with driver. Um, and in that group, he was playing with um, Alvaro Quiros, who's one of the longest drivers on the DP World Tour. And, and back then, he was um, pretty pretty elite as well, um, regularly driving at sort of 340 yards off the tee. Um, we get up to the to their drives, and Kiros's ball's here, and the 16-year-old kid's ball's here right next to him. <laughs> and Kiros just looks across at Rory, and he goes, how old are you? And he goes, I'm 16. And he goes, holy shit, kid, you're going to be good. <laughs> That's amazing. That is That is great. Uh, well, yes, you're right. I, do we do learn something every time we have David on? It's funny. I just assumed by your accent you were from Texas, so I learned something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I digress. Um, I am on the clock, and I am super pleased with how this draft panned out. I'm okay t- this week with fading the top. Obviously, these guys are the favorites, but there's a lot of ownership. Um, having a more balanced approach in a GPP, I think, is a really um, – Unique and interesting a, a way to go. And, and my first pick is who I was hoping would fall to me. Um, is going to be a great course fit. If, if we're look, if we're targeting good drivers, you know, this is maybe the best driver on tour in Cameron Young. Uh, we know he certainly has the upside. He's going to be able to crush the ball. And getting him in the mid-8K range, I think it's just a really great salary saver to start my team. And I'm going to go ahead right away and pair him with Shane Lowry. Now, Shane Lowry has disappointed a little bit as of late. He hasn't been quite in the same form we'd like him to see, but – Set a few months off to get right. I think it's a good spot for him to come back. You know, it should be a decent course fit for him if he's striking the ball well. Again, it's another value play at 8,300, a guy who I think certainly can get us a top 10. Interesting. I feel like Lowry's not being talked about much. And as I look at Stephen Pilardi's Sicily Kids article, all right, he's like 16.8%, which is right where Cameron Young is. So that's like inside the top 15 or whatever. So um, interesting. Uh, anybody, uh, David, it's your pick coming up next. So why don't you make your pick and any comments on Shane Lowry? Is that a guy that you might be playing this week? Um, look, I, I do think that that we perhaps saw the peak of, of Lowry about three to, to six months ago. Um, he he is an elite player. We, we need to remember that. And I, I would say the only the, – the draw card for me is that – we probably throw this phrase around way too much, but it's a Lynx style course, you know, which we have seen Lowry have um, some success at before. So, um, look, I, I think that he's a good option. Um, I love the long irons, particularly for for Lowry, um, and the price point I think is is excellent um, as well. So, yeah, look, I, I'm not. He's not my favorite player, but um, I'm certainly not perturbed. Whatever, if you're if you're putting him in your your player pool this week. Um, for for my pick, I'm going to go actually the winner of the Dubai Desert Classic earlier this year, um, who was Victor Hovland. Um, so he's won at um, at Emirates Golf Club earlier this year um, with a 12 underscore. The changes they made this year at Emirates Golf Club, they um, they re, redid all the grass. They they put in um, new greens um, on on the course there, and it played extremely firm and fast, and it really actually suited. Hovland's game. Um, so I, I'm liking that correlation um, to what we may be seeing this week in terms of lots of waste areas, lots of fast, quick greens um, in terms of the putting. Yes, we realise the around the green game for Hovland's going to be an issue. We know that that's an issue. Um, we've actually seen a little, like a little glimpse, a little spark 
that maybe we're getting some improvement in that area. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, if we're looking at these larger greens, I'm hoping that he's um, having a lot and his irons are dialed in. Um, oh yeah, and he's at a three, a third, sorry, at the um, at the Wells Fargo around Quail Hollow too. Um, so if we're thinking that's a bit of a concourse to to this track, um, I like that um, that correlation there too. All right, I like it. Um, Spencer, what do you got? I wasn't planning on going this route. Um, I, I actually don't know how much money I'll have left if I do this, but uh, let, let me put it in to see. I guess I'll take Scotty Scheffler and figure it out from there. Oh. So, um, like I said, he is my least favorite of the four, but that doesn't mean that I dislike him. And if everybody else is off the board, I will take him. My numbers do actually like him from like a model sense. So we kind of alluded, alluded to it a little bit with everybody with like you guys brought up, you know, he's bringing a new putter into the bag now. That's really the problem of his game. He ranks 70th in this field out of 78 players over his last 24 rounds with the putter. Uh, he's number one in my model on difficult courses. He's number one in par five scoring. Uh, you know, we'll build it out this way and kind of see where it goes from there. It's going to be a difficult build, and uh, I'm sure I can figure it out still with it being a no-cut tournament. But as I said, 35% give or take is about what the win equity is of the top four players. And if I believe that, like, you know, three and a half out of 10 times, the winner is going to come from one of those four, I guess give me two of them and I'll try to build down from there. I mean, two studs. I totally get it. And, and I, I honestly think this 6K range is pretty rich with, at least with upside that we know we're going to get potentially, you know, four days out of. So yeah, I like that. Um, we have some nominations in there. I'm going to go ahead and nominate somebody since I'm part of team audience. I'm going to type it in here and let's see if he gets seconded. But we have um, we have back-to-back -back picks. So let's see. We got one for Alex Smalley. Uh, that's not a guy I'm on. He doesn't really correlate with the, the stuff that I'm I'm looking for. I, I, after we do these two picks, though, I'd, I'd love to get somebody's opinion on on Alex Smalley. Um, I like Tom Kim. There's a lot of guys in the 7K range I like as well. If we don't – oh, there we go. Ivan seconds Tom Kim. So let's go with Tom Kim. And then – oh, I like this one. I'm going to go ahead and back Byron Scott Stallings because I, I I mean, I don't think I have to say much about Tom Kim. Like the guys – like we've talked about it before. He's a cyborg. He just can do it all. Stallings I really like though. I mean he's not one of those elite names at all. And in the 7K range, there's other guys that I think have more sort of like flash and star power. But the ball striking and the around the green game, it's a really nice mix for Scott Stallings. I think this is a pretty good course for him. Uh, so he's a guy I definitely had my eye on. I, I have no issue with him or his price. So audience is, is all aboard there. Byron and Ivan are on Stallings as well. Um, any comments about either of these two guys? Spencer, I'll start with you. I, I'm fine with both of them. Like, I, like Stallings is 33rd for me in my model. Tom Kim is 10th. Like the, the drawback from Tom Kim would be the distance if mm -hmm. you want to go that route. But as I keep alluding to, I don't think that that's the be all end all for this tournament. We know that his proximity, the short game, everything has been working for him. I think that that skill set will play nicely at this venue. And uh, I mean, I guess Stallings at 7,200, I'd see about six and a half percent right now. You're baking in a little bit of what he's been doing recently into it. Like, like you have the second at the BMW, the 13th at the Sanderson, uh, 40th last week in the tournament. But I don't know. I mean, like, when I get down into that $7,000 range, there's not a whole bunch of players that I'm like itching to play at this point. 
So I think he's certainly like one of the options to consider down in that section. Mm-hmm. Uh, any, any comments, uh, David, w- with either of these two guys? I do agree that the Tom Kim, the, the lack of length, um, it does concern me a little bit too, since I'm kind of going the, the bomber narrative. Um, does that concern you? Um, look, I think that um, this Tonkin guy is um, pretty good, to be honest. I think uh, <laughs> I think that's what we've uh, we've all slightly realized. I mean, he, he's winning at a, a rate that you know Tiger Woods at the beginning of his career he was um, he was winning at that rate. And look, I mean, is he going to be Tiger Woods? No, probably not. Um, but look, I think the the upside is massive and. I'm I'm honestly surprised with the price that we're getting on Tom Kim, given the the way he's played. I expected him to be in that sort of mid to high nine k range, if I'm completely honest. So, I, I do think a lot of people are going to latch onto that as well, um, and he'll see some high ownership. That would be my only downside with him. Um, but I think that your ceiling with Tom Kim is extremely high. Um, if he comes out and finishes in the top five again, absolutely nobody's going to be surprised. Yeah, the good news with him is he's not like he, he, the ownership isn't super high. He's inside like the top 12, top 15 from an ownership standpoint. But he's right there with, you know, Matt Fitzpatrick, with with Jordan Spieth, with even Tom Hoagie, uh, Keith Mitchell's in that range, too. So he's not, you know, a, among that upper crust of like Rory, Rahm, um, other guys like Max Homa, Justin Thomas, Victor Hovland. They're, they're pretty far up there. So, um, yeah, I like the picks. Uh, Spencer, it's back on you. Yeah, and for the record, I don't think anybody's made a selection yet that like I absolutely hate. I think every single person that's been picked is warranted to be consideration for a player pool. But I uh, I don't know how much money I'm going to have left after I do this. But this might be my favorite golfer on the board. And there is some ownership. And Sia, you just mentioned him as being one of the guys that's kind of in that range with Tom Kim. But I'm going to take Jordan Spieth. I My model has a massive upside that it sees when I tried to mimic the data to fit Congaree. Uh, the main reasons behind that comes down to the shift in weighted proximity. That was an area he was 15 spots better than expected. And then the ability for him to spray the ball off the tee, if he's going to have the distance, which I see enough distance for him that he'll be able to carry some of these waste areas. That works really well for me. So like anytime that you can get all those critical areas working, you, you allow some of these things that are not as good, like, a really good example of this would be Cameron Smith. And I know like he can't play this tournament, but it's that Cameron Smith, Jordan Spieth, anytime that short game comes into play, you can spray the ball a little bit and you can use your distance with Spieth here. I think he's a really good pick at the price. And it's kind of the same sentiment that we were saying with Tom Kim, that the upside for him is extremely high. He was the best player at the president's cup. I don't see a reason why he can't continue it here. It seems like the perfect venue for him to continue that with it. So uh, this is going to be a scramble at the bottom now, but I don't know. I mean, I think it's a really strong start with Rom Scheffler and Spieth and kind of just figure it out from there. Yeah, you have, I've done the calculation. You have just enough money for Hank Lebiota and Jim Herman. So (laughs) that's good news. Uh, There's upside there. But uh, we'll see how that ends up panning out. David, it's on you. Uh, any comments on Jordan Spieth? Um, I, I know there's definitely a couple of guys that really love Jordan Spieth. Like from the first cut, I know Greg and Rick were all over Jordan Spieth. They loved him. I, I didn't like him quite as much, but I completely understand the rationale. Um, Joel, a- any thoughts on Jordan Spieth? Is he in your pool? Yeah, obviously it's not going to work out for me tonight, but that's the logic I'm going for my lineup, right? If I fade Rory, Rahm, and Thomas, I can go for a six guys around Tom, Kim, Spieth, Lowry. Uh, and just be fully balanced with a lot of upside. That's the type of thing I'm looking to do this week. And I think 
it'll even be different with ownership too. So yeah, I, I like that pick. All right, David, it's on you. Um, yeah, I really like the pick as well. Um, we know we know how Jordan Spieth can play when he, get, he gets the opportunity to be creative around the greens, particularly. Um, so, and coming off an incredible um, Presidents Cup, so I really like his, his spot. Can I say that before I make this pick? If Spencer was not in this draft, I probably wouldn't take this player here. But seeing that Spencer is in this draft, for my third pick, I will take Jason Day. Wow. Congratulations, I'm... you have won. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, he couldn't, afford J- he couldn't afford Jason Day anyway, for the record. No, yeah. Well, well, potentially. I mean, it depends if he wants to go absolutely garbage uh, diving at the end. But um, – you know, where Spence has a will with uh, Jason Day, he'll find a way. Yes. Um, I, I'm going to call it. I'm going to say that Jason Day is back. His approach stats, the last two tournaments, have been absolutely phenomenal. And at the Shriners, we saw him drive the ball incredibly well, well too. So that ball striking for me is just always a key marker where if I see approach stats improving, I see driving accuracy improving, that's when I want to get onto a player. Um, so Jason Day, obviously a previous winner around Quail Hollow. So if we're thinking that that's a good comp course to hear, um, then we've already got some evidence that he plays around, around there. Um, I've also, he was also ninth um, around Quail Hollow during the PGA Championship setup, which being a, t- a tougher setup there too. Um, the other the other course that we haven't really spoken about um, is Pinehurst number two. Obviously, we have Fazio's had um, some influence before as well. He was fourth at the US Open there. So I'm loving the trends I've seen in the game. I'm loving his performance at other correlating courses. Um, at 7,500, I'm really happy with his price. Yeah, I mean, the game, I mean, I guess I should let Spencer speak to this, but he's gained on approach six in a row. He's gained around the green four out of the last five. And off the tee, he's gained four out of the last five too. And, and, and in some of these in very significant ways. So clearly it's starting to look, like the Jason Day of old, but Spencer, my question for you is: Are you are you ready to call it? Is Jason Day back? I'm always hesitant to say the word "back" and Jason Day in the same sentence. <laughs> That's an oh geez, yeah, in, that was a poor choice of words. In my Spencer's bad. mind, Jason Day never left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that there's a lot of positive signs. So when I run my model, I, I've alluded to this a million times. I don't need to go into an in-depth thing about it. I run it from a two-year rolling perspective of it. Uh, when I compare those numbers over the past 24 rounds, Day is four spots better in this field, strokes gain total, 29 spots better tee to green, 35 spots better off the tee. That's a very critical one. Like we talked about it a little bit. He was out driving Taylor Pendrith in a lot of holes in Vegas. He's 15 spots better on the approach play. You're telling me the irons are back and we're even seeing it. Like I know we're talking about a tournament or two to begin the year. He's inside the top five or 10 in a lot of proximity ranges. He led the field, I think, um, at the Shriners when it came to ball striking. You know, the putter and the around the green game are the only two things that are holding him back. And historically, he's one of the best short game players in the world. So I like the pick. I, I think... I mean, that's not going to come as a shock to anybody for me to say that I like a Jason Day selection. But, um, you know, everybody's always hesitant at the end of the day of what's going to happen. And you hear it's a no cut. You're going to get four days in and you hear Jason Day and you're like, well, he could still pull out of the tournament. I think that's going to reduce the ownership somewhat. And if you're telling me he's going to be 6% owned, there's not that many guys in the $7,000 range, which is kind of why I built this lineup the way that I did that I love for their upside. I think you can get a lot of the guys in the 6,000 that have very similar upside. 
Jason Day is one of those few players where if you told me he came in the top five, like it would not shock me. Yeah, for the record, I, I said he gained around the green four out of the last five. Technically, it's three out of the last five since he lost 0 0.02 um, at the FedEx. But he's actually gained around the green eight out of the last ten. So he had, you know, five in a row prior to gaining three out of the last five. So, um, yeah, the game's kind of there. Uh, the, the putter's been, you know, hit or miss, but that's like literally everybody on the PGA Tour with, with some very minor exceptions. So very interesting. I, I might have to actually play Jason Day this and, week. And imagine is... how much it's going to put Spence on tilt if he's been backing yes. Jason Day for the last three years. And I come in at the, just the optimum time and take him and he wins. That's the that's the, the chef's kiss moment that I'm looking for. Especially if this lineup wins like the whole thing, like wins 20,000 right. like Joel's did uh, two weeks ago. So um, speaking of you, Joel, uh, let's go back to back here. All right, all right. I am dialed in. I'm going to go ahead and play some defensive drafting because I know you guys need some value picks. I'm going to take my favorite value pick uh, of the week, and that's Trey Mullinax. I think this course sets up really well for him, right? We want to talk about those guys who can get distance with the driver. He certainly suits up well. His ball striking is there. I think if he drains a few putts this week, um, especially guaranteeing him four rounds without a cut, I think he's going to be a huge edge with a guy like him. Uh, I'm going to pair him with Sung Jae-Him. Uh, Sung Jae-Him has been, you know, just red hot recently. Um, and I think what's going to suit him really well is one of his biggest strengths are his long irons. I think that's going to be a big advantage here at this course. Uh, where he's going to be able to set up a lot of these holes. And I think – I don't know what the ownership you see on him, but it makes sense to me his ownership will be relatively low considering a lot of people are going to be going up to that top tier, and it's going to be really hard to squeeze him in if you're going for one of those top four guys. So I see Sung Jae right now at 20.1%, which would be the second highest owned player. Okay, that's really high. <laughs> wasn't at all what I was hoping for, but – I still like him. <laughs> So for whatever it's worth, um, and it, you know it's a lot, but it's it's a very small difference between um, Stephen and your number, Spencer. But Stephen's got him at eighteen point two percent, which actually gets him like seventh overall, as opposed to you know top two or three. Um, so again, those are very thin margins. So like obviously the difference between eighteen point two and maybe something like nineteen point eight or something like twenty, it's not a huge difference. But just pointing it out to, to Spencer's point, he's going to be inside the top eight in in terms of ownership. So. Um, Certainly makes sense. All right, David, back to you. Yeah, so um, again, and I don't mean to pick on Spence in this this draft. I, I do apologize, Spencer, but I've got to now play the kind of game theory aspect of going up against Spence and, and the range he's kind of going to be in. And I'm actually going to need to dive down and grab one of the guys that I like in that range, which is Danny Willett at 6,200. I, I can't um, I fill out a lineup anymore. I mean, it's, <laughs> over. it's actually over. <laughs> um. Look, I, I love the the way that Danny Willett profiles for, for this um, course. If we're looking at um, the approach stats over 200 yards, Danny Willett's actually leading um, the entire PGA Tour this season so far. So his, his long irons are going to be a great asset around this course, which we do know is a bit longer. He's um, got a pretty immaculate record in Dubai. Um, if I'm looking at that as a comp course, he won the tournament 2016. Um, surprising correlations between Emirates Golf Club and, and the Masters as well, by the way. So um, both Danny Willett and Sergio 
Sergio Garcia won Emirates at Emirates Golf Club the, the year that they won the Masters, just FYI. Um, 2015, 2014, um, he's 13th there. Of course, last time at the Fortinet, um, we saw him finish um, second. He hasn't been on the course since. Um, it was pretty dramatic in terms of the of um, that victory, but he gained across the board and he gained multiple strokes across the board to the rest of the field. So I like the way that his game's trending. I just think he's just such value at 6,200. Yeah, that's, and I'm, I'm assuming the ownership is, is pretty low on him, which I'll, I'll check on if, if nobody already has. Um, I like the play. So, so Spencer, you're a little stuck. You're, you're in the territory of names you might not be able to pronounce. So uh, <laughs> have, have, have at it with your next pick. I mean, this might be the biggest thievery job in the history of the show before. Uh, I do. It's nothing personal. I just had to, you know, I've got to protect my own team at the the same time, Spence. So it's just the way it's rolled. All right. So I, I will take one player. We'll we'll go there and then we'll try to build it out from there to, to see if we can figure out a lineup. And it's going to take a couple players off that. I did want, but I let me see what his price is. So at 6,400, I guess I will take Gary Woodland. He's gained with his driver and irons in 10 consecutive contests. It's really just the putter that's held him back. He's gone ice cold. He's averaging 3.03 shots to the field ball striking over the past three contests. When you look at the results, that's a missed cut, a 64th and a 51st. I don't know if I necessarily trust him over four days, but... Like, I have to find upside where I can at this point. And he has probably the best upside that I see left on this board right now. So, uh, you know, give me him and then I'll try to figure it out from there. But that Danny Willett selection being pulled from me is really difficult to round out this lineup now. I love it so much. Um, I I like that play. I I like the pick. Uh, We already have uh, any comments. Uh, Joel, what, what do you think? I don't know. I have no comment. Sorry. <laughs> Joel's, in, Joel's just in stunned silence at my behavior. So he, here's the thing about <laughs> here's the thing about Woodland. Like he, it gets to a point, and that's why he's priced so low. Because I went into this tournament thinking like I want to play Woodland, and I was like looking for him. I was looking for his price specifically because I knew he'd be low. I didn't realize he'd be that low from a pricing standpoint, sixty four hundred. But the putter is so horrific. Like it is, it is bad. This we're like in Kyle Stanley country here, like Brendan Steele country. And with that said, if he has like somewhere even remotely close to a neutral putter, like there's tremendous value, especially getting this guy for four rounds. Like I, I, I this is one of those guys where, you know, back in the day before I, I looked at stats, I would just like kind of watch golf and be like, uh, that guy looks pretty good. And I just have a feeling about guys. Like Gary Woodland's one of those guys. I just kind of have a feeling about this week. And it could be completely wrong, but like, I get it. I actually think that's a really smart tournament play. I, I truly do. So I, a, I'm a fan. It's a no cut tournament where, like, would you be shocked if on Sunday all of a sudden he puts together a round and he backdoors a top 15 or 20 finish? Like, I think that's that's within his range of outcomes. And at 6400, like, just let me shoot for the upside if I'm going to get four days out of everybody. And yeah. I don't, I don't love the ownership. Like, that's the one downside to this. I'm seeing like 10% right now. But oh, really? Okay. I mean, that's that's a negative. I think a lot of people like him for that, the upside that he presents. But as I keep saying, I mean, there's only, it's like him or 
Bio Kim. I, I don't know who Bio Kim is. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, a, it's a fake person. All right. So we already have one guy. David, I will get your comments on, on Taylor Montgomery. He's been nominated and approved. Ivan, uh, Byron have, have nominated Taylor Montgomery. I'm always one of those guys that, that doesn't have like a, a really hard and fast opinion on Taylor Montgomery. Uh, but I know he's starting to become popular. He's been popular over the last few weeks. Certainly a big talent. I don't see it as much as other people do in the metrics, but you know that that doesn't mean I'm right and everybody else is wrong. Certainly, uh, super talent, David. Any any thoughts here at 8200 Taylor Montgomery? Um, I I really liked Montgomery in the first couple of tournaments this year, and I and I did play him in the first two tournaments for the new season. My concern would come from the fact that he lost over four strokes on approach at the Shriners, um, in a, in a tournament that we kind of expected him to to um, kind of continue, I guess, in the vein that he'd been been playing. I mean, in saying that, he still finished 15th of that tournament. So, I mean, this this, got, this kid's incredibly talented. I think he's got a huge future ahead of him. Um, my, my concern would be, is this the best spot to play him, in which I think he probably is going to carry some decent ownership because he's just his results with you. If you weren't looking at strokes gain metrics, right, you'd see three, nine, 15 in his incoming form um, coming straight off the Corn Ferry Tour. And if you're, a, you know, just a casual DFS player, you go and get all excited over that. Whereas, you know, actually his approach game was fairly terrible at the Shriners. Um, so that, that'd be my, my reason. I think if I was looking for one to, to get off and would be that approach game last, um, last time out. So I'm glad you brought that up because our second guy, and, and I'm so glad this guy got nominated because this is a guy I was I was talking about even a couple of days ago. So Lee Hodges, Byron, Ivan, uh, I, I certainly approve of, of Hodges. So he's going to be on our team. I like I like what he's able to do for us from a flexibility standpoint because I believe that looks like we have like 9,200 left for our, our last guy. But Hodges, because it's funny, David, you mentioned finishing positions when it comes to Taylor Montgomery and metrics and how that measures up. If you were to not look at finishing, and I know this is it's a ridiculous exercise, but if you were to not look at finishing positions for Lee Hodges, and it's not that they're terrible, but they're not, you know, it's, it's nothing great, really. And you just looked at the ball striking, off the tee, approach, around the green, putter. Like, it's good. It's really, really good. Especially, I'm saying for a guy that's 6,300, it's actually kind of elite. And, I, you know, it's, it's interesting that it, it's, you know, do the finishing positions end up meeting the metrics or do the metrics end up e meeting the finishing positions? And in a tournament like this, where I get four rounds with a guy who's gaining ball striking, let's see, four, like five, eight, like this looks like nine out of the last 11 gaining ball striking. He's gaining around the green very consistently and he's gaining with the putter pretty consistently over his last six, seven tournaments. It just seems to me that the finishing positions should be better for this guy. And if they were even moderately better, this guy would be 7,300 instead of 6,300. Any thoughts? Am I just kind of looking through like rose-colored glasses here? Or is this, is this a guy that has pretty great upside? I really like I like the Hodges play. The, the reason his finishing positions haven't been what we'd, I guess, hope from the ball striking is that either his putter or his around the green grain haven't both clipped at the same time. Yeah. So it's it's not that he can't chip and it's not that he can't putt. He just hasn't married them up on the same event. And in terms of an upside perspective, I kind of love that situation where it's like he can do both. They just haven't both happened at the same time um, in a given week. So for 6,300, I, I love the upside that you get there. Awesome. Um, I'll take it. Uh, Spencer, uh, first of all, any comments on Hodges? Is he in your pool? And go ahead and make your second to last pick. 
Uh, he wasn't. Um, I think you guys all brought up good points for why he's in consideration. And when you get down into that range, there's only so many options that are probably relevant. Like, yeah. not to keep picking on Bio Kim, but when it becomes like him and Bio Kim at the same price tag, like I think Lee Hodges has more upside at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. I guess if I'm going to go with this like bad putter narrative with Woodland, should probably go with it on a guy who has lost 4.51 shots to the field over his last six trackable starts with the putter. Uh, any guesses who that would be before I give the name? Brendan Steele. Brendan Steele. Luke List. Oh, even worse. The other one. <laughs> oh, my God. We have to put up, like, we, like we, we're not going to do this, but putting up List putting with Steels and Woodlands over the last, let's say, like, I don't know, 20 tournaments, it's it's epic. It is absolutely epic. Sorry, carry on, Spencer. Yeah, like that List is probably some of the worst I've ever seen in my database before, and – the ball striking has been immaculate. He's gained in his last 13 starts. Maybe sometimes you just need a putt to fall here and there to, you know, provide a big round. I do think the game is percolating with upside if he can get hot, but like, it's the same narrative. If like how many players in the $6,000 range, in my opinion, provide the same amount of upside as like a Gary Woodland or a Luke list. I think it's a very small sector that we can find down there. And, I, I like I, I don't know. I mean, like obviously, I'm forcing this lineup a little bit with the position I'm in right now. I much rather would have played a Kurt Kitayama if I could have gotten up to 7100. But any time that you get these tests that are a little bit more challenging, putting does get reduced. And if you're telling me that the winning score is going to be 12 under par and List gains some extraordinary amount with his ball striking, you know, if he doesn't lose like 10 shots with the putter, all of a sudden he can compete by being even par in this tournament you know over two days and then he gets a hot day on Saturday and then all of a sudden he's in the top 10 or 15 so uh, I'm gonna go with that narrative I know it's very volatile to put Woodland and List into a lineup together but I guess it could be worse I could have Webb Simpson in this lineup which is probably how this is gonna end right now if somebody doesn't stop me (laughs) oh that's great by the way when Spencer said if he doesn't (laughs) lose 10 with the putter uh, that was not hyperbole. He was saying, like, literally, if he doesn't like, continue, like, like, that's a that's a possibility with Luke <laughs> List. Um, David, it is on you. You got two picks left. Let's uh, let's let's race through this uh, this last round and, and get to our um, first round leaders and uh, outrights. Yeah, I I mean, Luke List losing ten strikes with the putter is also a possibility just in round two. Like that is <laughs> that, that is enough. That's what I was saying. That may happen. Um, I'm going to go, actually, I'm going to play someone a little bit different to, to the narrative because what I'm seeing at the moment, I guess, from the industry is basically everybody is like, get on bombers, get on bombers is just the message that is getting um, put out there. But we have seen success at this, at, even at this track at the Palmetto Championship by by um, players who are able to get up and down and run the greens and put lights out. And so if I can get a player um, like Christian Bezadenhout at $7,200, who's cheap, who's great around the greens, who's an elite putter, who's coming in with excellent form, who hasn't missed a cut since June, I think that's fantastic value and it's going to differentiate your lineup to a lot of other players um, who are just simply going to go to, to say, the Wyndham Clarks of the world who are just going to carry huge ownership and mm-hmm. aren't in the same sort of form that Christian Zadenhout is. Yeah, I like the strategy there. Don't yeah, mind that I like that pick also. Joel, we got back-to-back picks to close out your team. Yeah, Cameron Young, Shane Lowry, Trey Mullinax, Sung J.M., and? So I'm going to, but first of all, I'm going to go ahead and take uh, Tom Hoagie. You know, he has just been red hot. I mean, he's got 
four top 15s in his last four tries. Um, he's another guy whose irons have just been right there. He, he doesn't really have a major weakness. Um, I actually think he's a little bit underpriced. I'll, I'll take right in that hot streak here with him heading into this tournament. And then my last pick, even though I have more salary, I'm actually I'm going to go with Hideki Matsuyama to round this team out. Um, I think this is a good course fit for Hideki. I think if he um, he makes a few putts, he drives the ball well, his long iron should, should tee up here. I think he can really compete. Top 10 certainly is, is in play for him this week. And, again, this really kind of rounds out my team and what I'm trying to do with this more balanced approach. I like it. All right. David, what do we got for our final pick? Great. No no qualms for me on um, either of those picks. Um, again, I'm going to play someone I think that well, psychologically it's really interesting, right? A player wins a golf tournament. And then we decide that we're not going to play the golfer because he won it one last week, and surely that can't happen again. Um, and however, if a player comes in and he's finished second or third at the previous tournament, we're all high on him, and we're all just like, "Oh, like this guy's a great pick." So um, I'm going to go Keegan Bradley. I think that he's coming in with just fantastic form, um, fifth in a win. Um, he's got great correlating stats to um, to other courses that we think are comp to here. So um, Texas Open, he's finished eighth. 23rd um he's had a fourth around pinehurst uh, he's got another ninth around um tpc san antonio and he's got an 18th at quail hollow so um the the thing i love with keegan is obviously his long irons is is probably his um best aspect of his game so anything over 150 yards keegan bradley can just get absolutely dialed in um and i think that he actually sees a bit of a drop in ownership from the fact that he won last week in kind of an emotional fashion um which i'm i'm happy to take the lower ownership on I love that play. Absolutely. I'm checking on his ownership now. Uh, somebody, oh, so it's 11%, which again, again, 78 person field. That's not that high. It's honestly. not bad. Yeah. No, not for a player who won last week, right? Right. All right. So we are on Spencer. You have a decent amount left 6,700. What's it going to be? There's three players to me that this decision comes down to, and I'll name all three of them. So uh, surprise, surprise, Webb Simpson. Um, Chris Kirk at 6,600 and Alex Smalley at 6,600. I am going to go with Alex Smalley over those two. I just think that there's a little bit safer of a floor. Like maybe Kirk and Simpson have better upside, but they're, they're not bringing in the best form, especially Simpson when we look at him. But I don't know if Smalley can produce on these par fives, which is what keeps holding him back. I do think the sky is the limit for him. And I kind of make this argument every single week with him that he's a better player than the price tag that he gets. And he never really gets out of this range that he's in, but he gives you these top 20 performances here and there. And uh, if that's what I'm looking for, and I probably need a little bit of safety after going Luke list and Gary Woodland. Um, if Smalley can just be average on the par fives compared to the field, I really like how the game sets up in other places. Yeah, actually, we had a we had Ivan who was on Smalley, nominated Smalley earlier. So, certainly have a fan in the audience there. Um, Joel Smalley in your pool? He did not make my pool, uh, but that's more just approach. I think if I was going for a more stars and scrubs approach, he would be someone I would look to toward uh, toward the bottom. But I'm trying to fade that lower end as much as I can. All right, I will go ahead and put a nomination in, but you don't have to back it if you don't want to. I'm not absolutely stuck to it, but we got one player to draft. We have 9,200 left. Um, I think this guy, at least from the betting board, 
Um, and Spencer, you're you're good about talking about this when it comes. Oh, there we go. Um, Byron backs Max Homa. Um, you might have talked about this on the Better Golf Pod with Sticks Picks, but the idea that Homa is only 9100, but is basically tied for fourth on the board from an outright standpoint. He's plus 1600 on DraftKings with Justin Thomas. Um, obviously, that that does scream value to us, right? Yeah, I, I think he's in play in the $9,000 section. And we see it in some of the movements that have taken place in the market. Like if you shop around, I still think you can find some better numbers out there. But um, I have no problem with the play. He was one of the golfers that was like, I narrowed down like, so when I'm looking for like, this is a 78 man field. I want my exposure to these players to be as minimal as possible. Like I want to have as small of a pool as I possibly can. So there's, I don't know, eight guys for me, give or take that. I want to be like the core that I build around. And then I'm going to sprinkle in guys from there. And Max home is one of those players that's going to be put into lineups. So he's in my pool. He's inside the top six of my model. I would rather play him than a Sam Burns if you're directly comparing and some of the other guys in that range. So I, I like Homa this week. I think that we're seeing like a massive jump from him. And uh, there's a player that when we, if we get to the section to talk about who we're surprised didn't get picked, I think like Max Homa, Sam Burns, and then this guy will be that player of this year when we get to there. But these are guys now that have taken a step in their game and Max Homa deserves the price tag that he's at. Yeah, and for the record, Max Homa is going to be very popular, partly because of the value that people see on, on the betting board versus where he is on, on DraftKings. But to, to the credit of this SIA audience team, that while there are some chalky guys, you know, Tom Kim isn't super highly owned. Scott Stallings is certainly not super highly owned. And Lee Hodges is in that sort of 5% range. So um, there, there are some guys that we have that have offset some of the chalk that we have. There yeah. you have it. Folks, don't forget to hit the like button. Feel free to give us a follow. We will post these boards. And we'd love to hear your opinion. Who do you think is going to win? Let us know. Pick your favorite team. We will check back next week and find out who the winner is. Track on the results. One thing I wanted to address before we move out of the draft, one thing I'm a little surprised by. I thought about it. It just didn't feel good. Are we done with Colin Morikawa? Well, for me, it was just the short, it was the short game. Like when I compare Colin to Victor Hovland, and, and I think David alluded to this, we see, and, and actually Byron and I had a conversation about this on, on Twitter earlier this week. We see some trends in a positive direction when it comes to the around the green game with Victor Hovland. And for the record, he's also been a better putter than Colin as of late. So when it comes to the short game in general, I just give the nod to Victor over Colin. Not that those guys really need to be grouped together. But but they all get the same knock, right? They they all have sort of that short game knock from time to time. So I guess my preference there is to take Victor over Colin, and I just bump him down because I do have somewhat of an emphasis on around the green game. And while Hovland is so weak there, he is at least trending in the right direction. I hear, and you know, Colin has been so he's had some weeks where he's just been so bad with that putter that it's like his ball striking can be elite, but you just miss every putt. You can't. You just can't compete that way. So hopefully he turns that putter around. I'm sure we'll see him back at the top sooner than later. But we're not done yet. We still have to touch on some outrights and, of course, first-round leaders. We'll start in the outright market for tonight. Uh, Spence, you want to kick us off? Who are you liking the outright market? Yeah, just very quickly before I get to that. So I'm most surprised. I think the best player left on the board was Matthew Fitzpatrick. I, mm -hmm. I was very – I was trying to figure out a way to take him. And if I didn't go the, the Scheffler ROM route at the top, he would have been the pick that would have slid in there. Uh, the player that I was mentioning with the Homa and Burns, 
would be Aaron Wise. And I think Wise we're going to see over the next year. I think he's going to become a $9,000-plus golfer in a lot of these events, and I think that the upside is there for him. So I don't love the ownership in this event, but he's somebody to keep an eye on that I, I think has like actual win equity in a lot of these tournaments, which uh, I did take Aaron Wise at 65-1. to 1. That opened on bet 365 to begin the week, and that number has been in steady decline since then. I took Justin Thomas at 16 to 1. That was a DraftKings price. Jordan Speed 33 to 1. That was on Bet Rivers. And then Tommy Fleetwood 80 to 1 on DraftKings. I think that Fleetwood in all markets at this point is kind of getting a reduction because of this lack of perceived win equity that he has. I don't think he's that much different or should be that much different than a Shane Lowry, a Terrell Hatton. I think he's in that same range as those players. I'm not saying that he's necessarily a better player than them or should be priced higher. But I think he's in that same range when you look at it and, you know, he's double the price in the outright market to a Shane Lowry. There you have it. Um, I like it. I like it. David, how about you? Who do you got in the outright market? Um, so I'm going to give out three names here and then uh, the other three will be, um, three will be dropped in the wind daily discord um, for uh, gold uh, members. Just so you know, we've got a promo at the moment. Um, not only is it only five ninety nine a week, but um, if you jump on to Twitter um, at deep dive golf, you're getting a month free um, when you join um, wind daily. So come in and you get to chat to all of us directly and ask all your questions. So the three names I'm going to give up the, the first is Rory McIlroy at eight to one. I very, very rarely will go top of the board um, when it comes to betting markets. But even at 8-1, to one, I'm still seeing value within that number when he should be about 5.75 as a fair value for me in terms of winning um, this tournament. So at 8-1, to one, I do get um, get some value there, and I'm happy to take that edge. Um, the other name would be uh, Jason Day. I'm taking him with eight places at 66-1. to one. Um, You can get him at 70s. Um, some places 75s, um, but with lesser places. I think with Day, with his range of outcomes, I'm, I'm more looking towards t- taking the um, the eight places on him. And the final one will be um, and Hout um, at 80 to 1 for me, and the others will be dropped in Discord later this evening. There you I love that. It. I love it. I love it. Um, how about you, Sia? Who do you got in the outright market? I actually have two guys here. And the part of the reason is because I agree with David on the Roy play. I just couldn't bring myself to, to – give out a guy plus 800, but, but I kind of agree with David. Like this, this is of the 78, like how many are competing with Rory ultimately over four rounds. And it, so you narrow that pool to, and I'm just making up numbers at this point, but like 15 to actually win this tournament. And I just think Rory is so elite relative to most of these guys, such a good course fit coming in with such good form has the long-term form as well. And by the way, Edward, thank you for saying that subscription is worth every penny just to pick up on what David said. And, and, you know, whether it's Edward or Ivan, thank you, Delbert, everybody, uh, Byron, for being in here. But one thing that's, you know, we don't make very clear is that we literally do every sport. And, you know, listen, let's be honest about golf right now. Because of the lack of tournament selection, our golf discord may not be as busy today as it will be. I don't know what, what when the season starts in January and through February, March, April, May, June, July, go, so on and so forth, where it's just extremely active. So we're, we're still active in there. But because of the lack of kind of selection, swing season, all that stuff, I only bring that up. It's not a knock to golf. It's just really a credit to all the other sports. Like if you jump in the NBA Discord right now or read those articles or you jump in the NFL Discord, like literally right now or especially over the weekend, Saturday, Sunday, like there's so much information being exchanged that that $5.99 per week that David referenced, it's, it's for everything. And so even when golf is slow, 
it is fast season in so many other sports and you can just kind of pivot from one to the other. How, like maybe you're successful in golf one week, but maybe you're new to NFL and NBA and you're successful in, in those sports another week. So definitely something to, to talk about when, when people bring up like, you know, where you subscribe. I mean, the follow-up question is usually like, oh, like how, like how much is that a month? And it's usually like kind of a big number. So I'm just kind of saying like, it's not a big number for Windale. It never has been because we don't want it to be a big number. We want the family to be as big as possible. So something to consider. Uh, so I'll give two outrights. I agree with David on, on Roy McElroy. I, I, Tom came at 28 to one. It's just, it's, it's, it's a big enough number for me to say, okay, I'll just go ahead and throw some money at Tom Kim. Cause he's so good. And Victor Hovland at 28 to one. So those are kind of my three. It's really just two that I'm giving out, but, but I subscribe to the Roy play and I'm doing that so that I can give six first round leaders. Because I don't want to give like six in and, and then six here and six here because it's only a, it's a smaller field. So I want to be able to kind of like splash around in the first round leader market. So I have six guys there, which we'll get to. Can I can I just quickly jump in with that 28 to one number that you're getting on DraftKings at the moment? That's so much better than what you're getting in international markets. So he's mm. sort of 21 to 23s um, on like Bet365 and William Hill. So that 28 to one on Hovland's extremely Hovland. good value. Yeah. Oh, excellent. That's good to know. Hey, really? Nice yeah, Hovland. No, no, you said Hovland, but but both him and Tom came were 28 to 1. So I just wanted to make sure uh, we were sure. talking about Hovland. Yep. Um, yep. By the way, guys, I'm surprised he didn't get drafted. Mito, I'm actually surprised he didn't get drafted. He'll be on some of my teams. I like Cam Davis a lot this week. Like, I really like Cam Davis a lot this week. I think he's a really good course fit. So that's another guy. SH Kim, I think, is super sneaky as well. Um, I'm hearing a, a lot of people that that kind of uh, quietly like him. So, uh, Joel, did you give out your outrights already? Not yet, but I will double down on Kim and Mito and Davis, all three guys were in my player pool of guys I was thinking of drafting. Didn't work out for salaries and how the draft went, but uh, definitely guys that were on my radar in my player pool as well. Uh, just a couple outrights for me. Um, my longer shot for the week, I like Sahith Tagala at 55 to 1. I think he's a guy that can get a hot week and take down the tournament. Uh, Hideki Matsuyama at 40 to 1. And my pick to win is Cameron Young at 28 to 1. Uh, but. Before we wrap up this week, we still have our first-round leaders. This is where we make our money. We bid the first-round leader almost every week. And if we don't hit one, we're at least in the top five. So we're hot. We're coming back with another one. Uh, this week, we're going to hit one. I just can feel it. Spence, who do you got for first-round lead market? I have five. Uh, Justin Thomas, 25-1. to one. That is at William Hill. Tommy Fleetwood, 55-1 to one on DraftKings. Keith Mitchell, 65-1 to one on FanDuel. Gary Woodland, 90 to 1 on DraftKings. I prefer Woodland in this type of market. And I also prefer Luke List, which is my last play at 95 to 1 on FanDuel. This is more of where I'm trying to get my exposure to them. Uh, I think it works in GPP contests also because of the upside that they present. But like, it wouldn't shock me if Woodland or List put together a round where they made a couple putts and all of a sudden they shoot to the top of the leaderboard. And I think 90 and 95 to 1 are really good prices to take a chance on that. I love it. I love it. David, how about you? Who you got in the first round leader market? Yes, I'm giving out five as well. Uh, Rory McIlroy wouldn't be surprised if he comes in. Um, so he's 16 to one um, across all bookmakers. Um, we've got 66 to one on Alex Smalley. Um, I like that play across one round. Um, we've seen him go pretty close um, recently in terms of first round leaders. Another who um, I really like for a first round re- leader is always Sebastian Munoz. Um, he's got a great history around um, first round leaders and he can get pretty elite with his um, long irons as well. JJ Spawn, winner of the um, Valero Texas Open, San Antonio. Um, again, I trust him a bit more for one round, so 66 to one. Um, but my favorite 
play would be um, Kurt Kedayama, 55 to 1. One, one thing I'd say as well, where I'm, I'm trying to get a little bit different with first round leaders this week, usually I go AMT times. Um, I actually kind of like the PMT times this week, just simply it's going to be so cold. Um, like we're talking, like if you guys looking in Fahrenheit, like 35 to 40 Fahrenheit at eight in the morning um, in this part of the world. So when we're looking at these like incredibly cold conditions, it's not the most pleasant to play in. The ball's not going to travel that far. We're playing on a really long course. There's basically no wind all day. So there's no kind of like wind that's going to pick up in the afternoon or anything like that. Um, So I am liking actually going a a bit different and playing some PMT times this week for my first round leader plays. I really uh, like Kitayama from a DFS perspective also. Like if you don't have him in consideration for your player pool, I think you should like at least consider putting him in there. So real quick, I, I talked to PGA Tout earlier uh, this evening and he's going to come onto the show with us uh, very soon for the record. And I actually asked him, you know, give me a, give me a, a sleeper play and give me a first round leader play just kind of off the cuff. He mentioned Harris English as the sleeper play for whatever that's worth. I didn't really look into it. You know, we kind of know where Harris's game is at right now. It's, I I suppose he's healthy. It's getting a little bit better, but Mm. I asked him his first round leader play and he rattled off immediately Kurt Kitayama. So that's pretty cool that you both like him. I might have to add him to my already long card. So that's super, super interesting. Um, Is it my turn? Not yet. Not yet. I'm going to go first. We got you in the closer slot. I just Um, wanted to get that name drop in there. No, I agree. I love Kirk. I mean, I've said this before. I think Kirk Kitayama is a first-round leader guy, right? Like, he tends to have his best rounds in the first round. So, in a tournament where you like him, I, I love playing him in a first-round leader slot. Um, I just have a couple plays for first-round leader this week. I do like Tom Hoke at 50-1. to 1. He's another one of my first-round leader guys. He doesn't tend to pop in first rounds. Um, I also like Aaron Wise at 40-1. to 1. And our first-round leader this week, my favorite play, is going to be Jordan Spieth. At thirty-five to one, that's it for me. Now, Sia, enlighten us. Where should we put all of our money? So week? I just, I just changed one of my guys, like on the fly, and it wasn't because of any. He's, I don't think he was mentioned in the first round leaders, but I had Tom Kim at thirty-five to one, and I'm switching him out for somebody that I like even better as a first round leader specifically, and that's so I'll start there. He's thirty-five to one. He's the shortest odds I have. Cameron Young. 35 to one. I swapped Tom Kim out. So take that for what it's worth. Cameron Young, 35 to one. Sahith Gala, 45 to one. I do like him. Again, these are first round leaders. Uh, Keith Mitchell at 50 to one. And I'm okay. And Mito Pereira at 55 to one. Lee Hodges at 90 to one. And then the big ticket winner winner chicken dinner the guy who's actually going to be the easy button first round leader just like we did a couple of weeks ago when who was it was it was it tom hoagie that, yeah. that well, won for us uh at 60 to 1 he was the easy button first round leader uh at the cj cup however your easy button first round leader the guy who's going to be the best guy in the field after thursday it's none other than i can't believe it Cameron Davis, Cam Davis at 50 to one is going to be your first round leader at the CJ cup 2022. Congratulations, everybody. You just won a bunch of money. That's it. It's that simple. You bet it. You win money. Uh, I suggest you get it in now because once Vegas hears this podcast, that number is going to plummet. Uh, So you're going to want to get it in before that goes down. But like I said, if you haven't already, give us a follow uh, hit the like button. It goes a long way. Feel free to subscribe. You're getting a ton of information. We're making money. We're having subscribers hit almost weekly for a big fish. 
Did I forget anything, Sia? Well, you forgot to mention that David will be in Discord with a few additional plays, outright plays. And if for anybody who hasn't already started following David at Deep Dive Golf, like, hey, follow him. But when you follow him in Discord, like, the plays are just, like, listed in there. Not just on the PGA Tour, but in the DP World Tour as well. It's pretty phenomenal, David, the work you've done. But I think more importantly, honestly, is somebody? Sports. Wrong. Sports. <laughs> Sports. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.